So I've got with me Nico Voigt, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. What's up, guys? Uh, this is uh, Nico Voigt. As what everybody knows on Instagram, my name is actually Nicholas Della, um, but I'm a Floridian, currently residing in Jacksonville, Florida, and um, I guess most people know me as uh, a photographer and a rider, um, or a motorcycle uh, rider. Not a writer. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's the gist of it. All right. You know. Cool. Well, so a little bit of backstory here. Um, I actually was introduced to you by Greg DeHoot, and I want to make sure that I throw his name out there because I've done like seven episodes and I haven't mentioned him yet, and that's one of my best friends. So. Oh, man, you got to. He's <laughs> awesome. So that's yeah. how we actually met uh, at the Grundle. But, um, you know, I was, of course, familiar with your work uh, beforehand, um, and I've seen a lot of it, obviously, on Instagram. I think that's probably where, you know, I see most of most photography anyway, unless it's in a, a magazine that I happen to buy. Now there's more magazines right. than there were a couple of years ago. So, um, but that's how I was familiar with your work. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the backstory on that and how we met. And uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time to get with me and uh, do a little bit of recording and looking forward to finding out a little bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely, man. My pleasure. Happy to be on here. So, Florida. What What is Florida known for if you don't live in Florida? What What do most people think of? I mean, I know there's a lot of memes circulating about Floridians, you know, like Florida man stuff, where it's, it's just, I guess, we're known to be kind of weirdos, a little bit of, you know, off the beaten path kind of people. Um, but... I mean, Florida's kind of split up. There's the panhandle of Florida that's kind of, you know, I'd say more southern Georgia and even parts of Jacksonville, it's kind of the same a little bit. And then you have kind of the central part of Florida where like Orlando and Tampa, those, those guys are kind of their own flavor. And then there's South Florida, which is completely another beast that's, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of South Florida, nothing against people from down there. It's just I'm, I'm more of a panhandle kind of, you know, the southern Georgian flavor is kind of, that's kind of what I like. I like the, the southern part of, of Florida, or the southern part of of Georgia and North Florida, I should say. Right. Now, I've been down there. Uh, in fact, when I uh, first came to Virginia, um, I don't know if you knew Dragon from Tallahassee, um, but he was a, yeah. he had a lot of motorcycle parts. And when I was living in San Diego, I had sold him some shovelhead parts, and then I ended up getting orders over here. I thought I was going to Italy. And uh, rather than ship them to them, I just drove it all down there. And that was my first chance to see the East Coast and see the South. Uh, I drove down to Tallahassee through Georgia. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's actually rare. Most people are like, you know, what's the capital? You, you tell them the capital of Florida is Tallahassee, and they're like, oh, I thought it was Miami or Orlando. Or, no. You know? And, and I, nobody really visits, nobody really knows anything about Tallahassee, I feel like, in, in Florida. It's kind of like its own little, you know, it's kind of a little gem for florida oh absolutely it was beautiful and it was like january so even up here it was cold and then when i got down there you know i was hanging out with dragon outside and you know shorts and t-shirts and flip-flops man it was beautiful i was like uh, i've arrived you know i just came from san diego i was much more acclimated for for south florida or not south florida but oh yeah i'm sure south georgia weather yeah but you got dry dry less humidity in san diego than right. in florida so that way so but, yeah. so how long have you been uh, riding motorcycles? I know that's that's an area where a lot like California, where motorcycles are probably part of your life since you're little. They're just always around. But when did you start riding, and how did you get you know connected with the the chopper thing? Um, my dad uh, rode motorcycles, but believe it or not, he didn't ride Harley Davidsons. He rode Kawasaki KZ 1000, 900, stuff like that. Badass bikes. Um, but I guess at a very young age. I remember getting strapped to my dad and, you know, probably like, I guess I might've been like three or four and he would kind of tool me around the neighborhood. I guess that was my first taste of like motorcycles. And then it kind of went from that to owning Mount, you know, having a little dirt bike and, and then riding dirt bikes and then getting my first street bike when I was 19. And, um, had that as like my primary form of transportation for a long time and then got into 
um, F-body Camaros and and started working on those and kind of ditched bikes for a little bit and got caught up in cars and then um, came back to bikes maybe in my mid-20s, you know? And then from then it was just, you know, it's been in my life, I guess, my entire life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what would you say... I'd just to give you know people that don't know your your actual age, if you want to give that out, like some context there about how long ago was was the mid twenties. I know for me that was a while ago. Oh yeah, I mean I'm 37. I'll be 38 in January. All right, so um, yeah, we're close to the same so, age then. So yeah. Yeah, I mean like I I grew up and I'm an 80s kid, you know. Right. Late 70s, late 70s bikes are like my flavor, and anything from like mid 70s to early 80s anything like cars or that's kind of like what my nostalgia is you know right that's right so with the photography stuff um and i'm a photo nerd and i've been accused of trying to turn a chopper podcast into a photography podcast but <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know sucks to be them if you ain't into it but <laughs> yeah i've listened to a few i've listened to a few podcasts and i was like yeah i, I see how they go it's like skateboarding choppers photography and then you kind of get into talking about a little bit about some specs and stuff, and then you're like, I'm not sure if I should do this or not, but I, I appreciate it, so, right. you know, it's I'm, all good. I'm glad you appreciate it. But so, so when did the photography thing start for you? Um, I guess, like, probably the late 80s, but, I mean, that's fine, like, like, out of a hobbyist level, I guess. Like, my dad gave me a point-shoot 35-millimeter Vivitar, you know, and... I would mess with that, and he always had, like, his uh, Konica Auto Reflex, like, you know, 35-millimeter SLR. And so I guess I always wanted to kind of mimic him from that, from that, you know, that time. And then um, it was just kind of playing with cameras until probably, I'd say, 2000, 2007, and uh, I got my first Rebel, Canon Rebel, you know, with a with a zoom lens on it, and just kind of starting getting a little more into the ho- you know heavier hobbyist stuff, a lot of like landscape photography and stuff like that, and um, and then just kind of grew from there. So with your landscape photography, and, and that's something I w- I'm glad that you brought up because I wanted to talk about that. I've actually seen your Instagram page for your uh, for your landscape work, and it's beautiful. Um, I don't Thank know you. that a lot of people even know that you do that. I think a lot of people think that you just take pictures of bikes. And, and your pictures of bikes are amazing. <laughs> you know, and, and I can definitely see the connection. Like, you know, it, as, as a photographer, you can't really go out and take good pictures of bikes if you can't just go and take good landscape, you know, because you have to know how to, how to work with the light and everything. And a lot of what you do is natural environment, people actually moving the action um, or resting in some cases. Um, you know, but you always, you know, have that knack for finding that light and that angle. Um, so I can definitely tell that, you know, you didn't just grab a camera and, and start taking pictures of bikes, you know? No, yeah, definitely came from like getting up, like knowing the, the light of day and getting up certain times and like, you know, scouting locations and seeing which way the sun sits. And, and I mean, obviously like being a low budget photographer, you're not, you're not going to have a ton of like, uh, you know, studio lights and, you know, all that stuff that you need to drag out and, and have the money for. So I had to play with natural light a lot. And I think I just kind of stayed in love with it and, and just kind of kept working on it and then took it with me to the motorcycle world. And it's, you know, I really like pairing landscape and, and the chopper world. I mean, I really like it's kind of it kind of sucks that we can't really see it on on the phone. You can't really share some of the bigger, you know, some of the non social media friendly images that look really killer when they're blown up and big, you know. Right. But I really do enjoy that side of it. Yeah, I know that. Like the you know one photo that was circulating circulating around recently that uh, you know a lot of people were just like blown away by it was that one of uh, Zach. You know, it's the black and white, and I, I'm assuming you guys are probably on Highway One. With the dunes. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a yeah. killer photo, you know. Like, and it's just iconic. Um, you know, like it kind of for me, whenever I see those those types of images, you know, I always go back to the, you know, the Danny Lion and and the um, 
the Time Life guy, I can't remember now, I know me and Jeremiah talked about him on, on that episode, but, you know, that Choppers in black and white to me is just so iconic, you know, and not to get too steeped in nostalgia for it, you know, and try to recreate the past, but it, they just pair nicely together, you know, it's kind of like, like a bait seed on a panhead, it just looks right, you know. Yeah, it's true. It definitely changes the, the perspective of the image, too. It kind of it kind of hones in on the, the it kind of helps hone in on the subject. And there's this, like, uh, I don't know if you know who Clyde Butcher is. He's, like, a large, extremely large format photographer, and he does a lot of black and white imagery, and he shoots the Everglades and stuff like that. But he, he really is, like, a huge advocate for black and white and how it communicates to, you know, to you and stuff like that. I won't get too philosophical, but... Um, yeah, I do. I really do like black and white. And a lot of people argue that, like, you know, if you're using black and white digital photography, you're hiding the fact that you're exposed to image or something. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it lends to being classic, you know, and, and that nostalgia, you know, especially like you said with choppers. Right. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, like, that's, that's one of those things that I always feel weird when I convert uh, a digital image to black and white. And I don't know why that makes me feel weird, because if I was shooting with a camera, I would be shooting with black and white film. You know, like most of what I shoot, I'd say like 80% I use black and white film for. And that's just right. how I see things, you know, and that's how I compose and, and it's very graphically oriented. But I think that one of the things that people, you know, it's, it's easy to wow somebody with, with a color photo, you know, especially if the light's good, because, you know, just like back in the Kodachrome days and stuff, color just you know it speaks to you I, I think it's a lot harder to do with black and white but when you do it well you know like to the to the level of, of some of the black and white masters it really pops you know um yeah definitely so that's a yeah. skill i appreciate when i see other people pull off so yeah <laughs> um, i definitely appreciate the compliment so <laughs> Appreciate oh, the love. No, absolutely, man. I respect your work a lot, and that's why, you know, when I was stoked when you agreed to do the show because I was like, you know, mostly, you know, so I could talk to you about photography in a format that wasn't weird. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not well-versed in doing podcasts, but, you know, you know I have the, the definitely had the human reaction of, like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. And, you know, obviously you start off the recording and you're, like, kind of nervous, but, you know, that's that's human nature. Right. Well, and so that's one of those things that, um, you know, I kind of wanted to get with because I know me and you kind of talked in DMs a little bit. There was a post that you had done that was a little bit more, I, I don't want to say maybe introspective and sure. almost vulnerable, if, if you will, you know, and, and you were kind of putting yourself out there. And, you know, I was kind of going through a time where I was trying to be more open with myself, you know, because I've always been very compartmentalized and it kind of was creating some personal problems in my life. And, you know, it kind of touched me, um, you know, and not to sound all hippie lovey-dovey and shit, but, you know, like... No, I mean, that's kind of what it's about. I mean, honestly, you know, it's, it's, I think being, I think being vulnerable does create those, like, me too moments. I'm, I'm a big believer in, in just kind of doing that and showing up as yourself and hopefully, like, you'll get people that are like, hey, man, I'm feeling this, I'm kind of feeling the same way makes it easier i mean like even like like we're, as we're doing this recording it's easier for me to just say hey i just i wasn't sure about it like, i'm kind of like shaky going into it and then it's kind of out in the open so then it's like you know it's off my back you right. know no definitely and and that's one of the things that you know like watching people you know especially that you don't know and you know, you're, you're kind of a, a, I don't want to say a public figure, you know, because I think that makes it sound like more than what it is, but yeah. at least in our community, yeah. you're well known, you know, and, and then when you're walking around with a yellow hat and, uh, and a 7,200 lens, <laughs> you know, like people are going to be looking at you, you know, and, and I don't even, th I don't even think about it. That's the first time I guess it's been put into perspective like that, but yeah, like, well, I mean, I'm just a dude, like I'm a dude that likes to take pictures and I like to ride motorcycles and I'm passionate about it, but I mean, like, I'm not after anything else, you know, I'm not after, I'm, I'm definitely not after trying to be a public figure. If I can help the world and impact it, you know, in a positive way with how I, you know, how I carry myself, then that's cool, you know, but that's really the only thing that I'm really after. Right. So when you go to some of the, the bigger events, um, 
you know, and, and you are working, like, you know, do you have an issue with, you know, people that come up and talk and want to talk about photography or, you know, like while you're trying to work, does that ever get in the way a little bit or how, how is that for you? No, cause I mean, honestly, I'm not really, I guess, you know, I, I'd like, I'm part of the scene. So it's not like I'm, I don't really look at it as like I'm there and I need, I don't want any distractions. I'm happy to talk to people. I actually kind of like mingling with people and, um, I don't like it to feel unnatural that I'm there. Like it's, I want it to be like, I'm just, I'm there for the same reason these people are there, you know, like I'm, I'm just enjoying myself, enjoying the, you know, the culture that, uh, you know, the chopper culture and, you know, being around motorcycle and people that are like-minded, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to have a discussion with anybody. And, and I mean, I, I do like when people come up and ask questions about like, Hey, how do you do this? Or, you know, some, you know, some photography questions that's, you know, makes you feel good that you can, you can offer something, you know? Right. So what, one of your techniques that I picked up from you and is, is what I like to call Dawn Patrol. And every once in a while you'll post something and I'll hashtag you Dawn Patrol, <laughs> which is a surfing <laughs> yep. term. If, if you guys don't know, you know, Dawn Patrol is always, you know, like first light or even before first light being out at the waves so you can get the waves while they're good, you know, with the change yeah. of the tides. But, uh, you know, how, and and I didn't really notice it. You know, I'd seen some of your photos that were taken in the morning, and then I remember I woke up at the Grundle, and I thought I was getting up early. You know, I looked up, and you're already out, and I was like, fuck, man, like, I overslept. Like, I got beat, you know? And normally I'm one of the first people up. <laughs> but then I realized that's just kind of your thing, you know? And, and going back to the landscape thing, that makes a lot of sense. But, uh, you know, when, when did you, like... I don't want to say it's like your trademark thing, but it's definitely something that you're known for. Like, when did you start? Was that something you had always done at events or? I mean, like I'm a big camper. So like, I think once the light shows, it's like, I'm up, I'm just, and then especially if I'm at an event or like, or I'm, you know, I'm on a chopper run or I'm kind of ready to like, I'm already been thinking about that morning, like contemplating what I'm going to do you know, which basically just means I'm going to go creep around. But, like, I probably I might have seen some bikes set up somewhere the night before. I'm like, hey, I want to come back here in the morning. And, you know, I guess it's getting up that early just comes from camping. And, and I'm kind of a morning person. I kind of just get up and go, you know. No, that's right. So, and I really, I really enjoy that, like, that alone time with just being just me and whatever's out there. And there's a, an occasional person awake, but, you know. There's definitely not a lot of people awake at that time. So have you ever, like, like had anybody get kind of bummed out that you were doing that and kind of felt like you were invading privacy a little bit? Um, No, I mean, I guess that's one big reason why I invested in that 70 to 200. You know, I think I, I, think I kind of take pride in kind of being somewhat of a ninja kind of, you know, kind of creeping around the camp or campground. Oh. I don't, I'm ne- I've never been a person to kind of shove a lens in people's face. And sometimes I kind of like, even, I'll even kind of sit there and, and kind of feel it out. And maybe I'll have an interaction with the people that are near me. And then I can, I can kind of back away and point my lens in that direction and then take the shot that I want, you know, or kind of watch how the scene is developing, you know. Right. It's, you know, it just depends. Sometimes I don't feel comfortable and I don't want to take pictures, you know. And I, I sometimes do get all kind of, you know, feel kind of like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want this to be shooting right now. Right. But then again, it goes back to that comfort level thing where, you know, it's a lot different when you are a part of something versus an outsider being in. And that's something that, like, when I first started coming around, I, I was, like, the first Grundle that I went to was the second one, and I didn't take any pictures, and I had, like, four cameras with me. And uh, I don't think I, I maybe took a couple of pictures at our little campsite, you know, because I didn't really know yeah. anybody and it wasn't my comfort zone, you know. And and then by the time the second one rolled around, you know, I know a lot more people. I felt more comfortable. And I actually shot, I think I ended up shooting like 18 rolls of film at that one. Um, you know, it definitely does feel different. But with, with photography getting more popular and obviously, you know, choppers, I... I don't want to say they're more popular, but they're definitely more present on social media. Um, it seems like you are starting to get some people that aren't really there for the party. They're there to take the pictures. 
you know, and, and I was just kind of curious, yeah. you know, if you've experienced that and how you feel about other photographers that aren't really involved with motorcycles and are there kind of just as, you know, as, as a photographer, if that, you know, if you have any sort of opinion or feeling. Yeah, I mean, that. I guess, like, full disclosure, I, I think that I do, I mean, like, I think I take the, my piece of the pie and saying that, like, you know, I, this, it's almost like, my part of the community, like I'm, I'm part of that community and it's kind of like, we're all a, a brotherhood and a sisterhood and, and you know, what it, I, I guess I feel like sometimes those people are kind of on our turf, you know, meaning our turf, they got, you know, the people that, that shoot these events that ride to these events and have a camera on them, you know, people that are actually like have, you know, that interest of, of being there, you know, not just being, hard to shoot something in general because there's just i feel like you're missing that whole connection to the to the experience you know right. and I, I don't feel that it should be portrayed that way but i mean it's not like i'm gung-ho about telling them they don't belong there you know <laughs> we're gonna rally and kick their ass <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm not i'm not aggressive about it but like i, I get that feeling sometimes where i'm like the who is this you know, like I'll see I'll see a, an off the wall magazine hire a photographer and and he's like has like fourteen cameras and he'll like he'll be standing like completely erect and taking these shots from kind of above the bike and I'm like that's gonna look terrible in my mind I'm saying this but you know right yeah and I think but that, other than that it's you know I don't I'm not gonna trip out on anybody like like. Trog comes to mind because Trog has just gotten so big and picked up by the mainstream media that, like, you know, I just imagine some, like, L.A. Times photographer flying out to Trog that doesn't know shit, but, you know, like, maybe took pictures of, of cars or something, and, and his editor's like, yeah, go get the shot. And I, I know that's not even probably how that industry even works anymore. I don't <laughs> think they even fly you places anymore, but they used to, you know? No, they don't do shit for <laughs> photographers now. <laughs> You know, but that, that's kind of like what I imagine in my head happening, you know. And, and I know even for me, you know, like, I, I don't want to say I get bummed when I see other photographers at events. Like, you know, but sometimes I do, like, you know, it's like, well, fuck, you know, Panhead Jim's here with his camera. I might as well put mine away and drink beer because, like, his picture's going to be so much better than mine, you know. Um, and we're all, I yeah. think, like, there's a little bit of a competitive edge, I think, when you shoot because you want your stuff to be good and when there's... You know, you know, there's other good photographers around, you know, and, you know, obviously we overcome that and nobody shoots like somebody else. We all have our own thing, you know, but that's yeah, all I mean, we're all going to like we could stand all in the same spot where we're all going to pull the trigger at a different time. Like, I mean, it's we're all going to color grade differently. We might, you know, use different medium, you know, like we might use film. Somebody might use digital. Somebody's using a Leica. Somebody's using Canon. Like, you know, it's there's just so many factors. But I mean, I do know what you're saying. Like when I did uh, congregation, like I walk in and I see Dean sitting in the corner set up, and I'm like, well, Dean's like the, you know, Dean's like a god as far as like, you know, photography goes. In my in my book, especially in in the motorcycle scene. So like seeing them set up over there, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm gonna take pictures of what? Dean's over there taking pictures of all these cool bikes, like, you know, with his hundred year old Graflex camera. Right, that thing's so awesome. So, did you get a yeah. chance to actually go in and and shoot early before they let uh, public in, or were you shooting when everyone? No, was man, I was actually late to the late to the show. Got caught in that rain or like at our campground trying to get there. But and I mean, honestly, that's kind of how it goes. I just kind of show up when I show up, and sometimes I get lucky. I can get get in an event early, and but I don't plan any of it. I'm just like, hey, I'm going to this thing. I'm taking my camera with me. Whatever happens, happens. You know. But at the congregation, I showed up kind of like when it was happening. I kind of creeped around and did my thing. And, and you know. Right. But there was definitely, there was a lot of, I felt there was like, there was a lot of photographers there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there was tons. And I, that was another one of those events where I was just like, yeah, it was almost comical that like every picture, it seemed at the time like every picture, I had another photographer in my frame. And there was like a couple pictures where there's like two or three photographers shooting other bikes. But I'm just like, man, yeah. like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Usually it's like fat guys in shorts and, you know, like, you know, and really bad T-shirts, you know, like hanging around the bikes that you can't get a good picture. And there's plenty of good space. Like, they had it really spread out and it was a great show, you know, and it was yeah. actually really good for, for doing, you know, the, the photography thing. But I was like, man, there's just too many damn photographers here. 
but it was great. Yeah, yeah and that happens, and it's, it's, you know, I mean, that's like you do grunt a run, there'll be like a handful of us, but we're all kind of like blended into the, the scenery. Right. You know, it's not like, it's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're all sticking out like sore thumbs, just kind of, you know, shooting the same, same bikes. Right. But Congregation, that was a great building, great lighting. You know, I really love that whole setup, you know. Yeah, especially later on in the in the afternoon when, the, you know, the sun was a little bit lower and the clouds had kind of gone out and you actually really got that nice side light from all the windows in the building. Yeah, it's a really cool building. Definitely. But, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm like trying not – I'm doing the photo nerd thing again, but we're both photographers, so that's <laughs> how it's going to go. But let's talk about bikes a little bit, man. So so I, sure. I know a little bit about your bike from what I've seen, but, but you know, I don't know much about it. So tell us about your, your main bike. I don't know if you have more than one or not right now. I think you got two. Yeah, bikes. well, my main – like my my breadwinner is, is a 2009 or was a 2009 Dynasty Street Bob. I mean, it still is. As far as the chopper terminology goes, the frame has not been uh, grinded, so it's not a chopper. It's just a, it's just a dyna. <laughs> but yeah, that's my main bike. It, I've had it since 2010. It's got about I don't know 100 and almost 120,000 miles on it, and it's it's been everywhere with me, and I lo- I love it. You know, I love that bike. That and then my cool. second. My other bike is a 78 FXE um, that I picked up from a, a friend that I did El Diablo in 2015 with. And that's my treble head, as everybody affectionately calls their shovel heads. And then I got a roller that will eventually be something. But right now it's just a Paco frame with some, with some wheels on it. Right. So with with the you, you said I want to go back to the Dyna. So you said you got a hundred and something thousand miles on that thing. Uh yeah, it's just shy of a hundred, like somewhere in there. I changed its pedometer at like I want to say when it had about twenty thousand miles on it. Right. I didn't I didn't transfer the mileage on it. So and now it's got over a hundred thousand miles on this pedometer. So I'm I'm kind of guessing it's somewhere in the 120,000 mile range. Now, is that on the the original build motor, or have you had to do yeah, back top end? Completely original. That is. It's insane. got original clutch. <laughs> it's got original transmission. Original everything in the motor is original. It got taken apart at 12,000 miles, and then I've left it alone and I maintain it, you know, and just you know stay up on it. That is and crazy. She's been a good bike. As far as I know, man, that's that is the most miles that I've heard of somebody having on their Dyna without like doing a rebuild. So that is uh, yeah. I, I don't Especially know. Twin cans, they have such a bad rap. But, no, but I mean, I, it's yeah. not even that. I think that like you know, I just don't know anybody that puts that many miles on their bike. I, honestly, except for maybe the the touring guys, but you know, they're usually the type of people that like after sixty thousand they trade it in or they you know go and do the upgrade or new top end, you know, so. That's impressive. Yeah, no, I just couldn't. It just—I mean, like, I mean, I've been. This bike's been everywhere with me, and it's—it's it's never let me down. I just couldn't, like, you know. I feel like I—I think I'd get bad juju if I got rid of it at this point, or if I decided not to ride it. And, you know, keep riding it. Right. And it's, it's just such a good bike, and I think you know you get attached to your bike. So. No, you know, absolutely. I'm definitely attached to that one, even though it's just a twin cam Dyna. You no, know, no. I, I love my shovel head too, but that one's just. It's, we got a lot of history together. No, I hear you. I had a 2012 Dyna Custom and actually rode that one down to Tampa and, and uh, Cocoa Beach from Virginia. And that was, out of all the bikes I've owned, that's my number two favorite. And my favorite is is a uh, is my new 2018 Softail. So they're not like cool guy bikes at all, you know, but I love them. Um, you know, of course, the chopper yeah. thing, like I ride choppers, I've always had choppers, but... You know, um, definitely something to be said. It's nice when you have a chopper, but you also have a bike that, like, you know, if I wanted to ride to California, get out and go. Yeah, and yep. the chopper wasn't going to start that day. I'm like, all right, fuck it, I'm riding. You know, this one. So. Yeah, yeah I mean, so far, like the last four, three trips I've had on my shovel head, it's been, you know, I've had to drag it back home. Right. Something's wrong with it, but I mean, I, I get it sorted. I mean, I got, I have faith that I'll get it to where it's, it's going to be hopefully semi-bulletproof as a shovel head could go, but right. right now it's definitely in that transition stage. Yeah. 
So, uh, Tarball Run, uh, how long have you been going to that, since that's kind of more or less your neck of the woods, and uh, what, what's the story with the Tarball Run? Um, so, I guess my first Tarball Run was uh, Tarball Run 5, that was 2014, um, so I guess I, I saw it on Cult the Chop Cult um, website for, like, all the events and then emailed George that actually started the Tarball Run um, and just said, hey, I saw this event and, you know, I'm curious. Um, I've got a twin cam, by the way, because, you know, it's it advertised like, you know, a chopper a chopper run, old bikes and ships. So I was like, if I'm going to bring a twin cam, I better announce myself. So... Um, I email him and say, I'm interested in going. He's like, yeah, man, it's just like mine is individual, you know, um, nobody really, nobody really comes, nobody shows up, you know, which ended up being kind of like the motto for, for that run that it's canceled and then nobody ever shows up, you know, like there's nobody there. So yeah. So 2014, I started going and then I've, I've gone every year and this last, this past one in November was Tarball 10. So, I guess it's my that was my sixth one. And is that really the last one, or are they putting us on? It's hard to tell if those guys. Um, it says the last ride, but you know, you never know, man. It it could it could turn turn into something else, or you know, I don't I don't get the feeling that it's gonna die because I mean, it's become like family, you know, like chopper family, and people like kind of look forward to that time of year and seeing everybody and and. It's it's like it's like Florida's run, you know. It's definitely, you know, one that I that I like religiously religiously go to. I don't miss that one. Right. You know? yeah. So I was definitely. I don't that see I a guy, it. but who knows? You know. Yeah, that one. You know, and and sometimes that's how events go. You know, like like they stop promoting them, but the event still happens. I mean, I know that that happened for years up in Northern California. There's a couple of events that stopped being organized, but people still did them. Like that weekend was the same weekend and the same people, like the hardcore people showed up and it wasn't vendors yeah. or advertisers. It was just homies and homegirls or whatever riding their motorcycles, you know, and maybe it'll turn into that. But it's definitely something that I'd like to go check out. Um, I was super bummed that I couldn't make it this year. I know me and Liam talked about trying to trailer it down and get down there. And uh, neither one of us really had the funds or the time to get off of work to do it, and we were bummed about that. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, I, I think it'll, I think there'll be opportunity for other. I think next year there'll probably be something around that time. I don't think anybody's gonna let that time slot like go to waste. So, I mean, you know, and who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll I'll try to do something. I don't know, but there you go. You know, just yeah. get a bunch of people together and just ride around Florida. So what are some other events that, you know, you, you try to hit every year or that you've been going to for a few years that you dig? Um, I mean, I guess, like, uh, Grundle Run is one, you know, that I like to go to. That's kind of become sort of a tradition. Um, what else do I do? I mean, El Diablo is always on my mind. <laughs> I always want to do that one. Um, but that's every two years. And I, I actually missed it this last time. So, but yeah, El Diablo, Grunner Run, um, I'll, Congregation is probably one I'll hit again. Fuel Cleveland, I'll hit that one probably again. Um, I'd like to go to Giddy Up, Texas. That's one that's on the list. I don't know if I'll make that one. Um, then there's like you know there's the Bike Week shows in Florida. We get Boogie East. That's um, that's in March. We've got there's an Upsweeps Bike Show in January. And Daytona, there's a few, you know, on the list. <laughs> no, definitely, and that's one of those areas that because the weather is year round, you know, it's almost like you don't get a break because you could literally do something every weekend and never run out of events to go to or parties or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, like right now it's 54 here in Jacksonville, and this is this is really cold for everybody. Right. So you know, there's not a lot of riding going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know there's that, people that, listening right that now. That tells like, you what it is. Like, 54, right. we're, like, kind of shut down. Yeah, and people up here, you know, and, and especially the ones out in the Midwest are, like, 54. If it was 54, they would be dragging their I'd bikes be out. Hell yeah. yeah, in a T-shirt, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, that's the biggest biggest thing when I consider leaving Florida. Is like, all right, if I leave Florida, I might not be able to ride year round like I am now. You know, like so easily. Right. But granted, in the summertime here, it's miserable. You're not. You don't really want to ride. Right. Yeah, I always joke about that too. Is that you know, like in the South in general, you know, your spring and your fall just feel so short, and and the summer just feels like it goes on forever. You know, and there's not really much of a transition. It just goes from being like really f- stupid hot and then one day you're cold you know yeah 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 it's no fun no especially for the for the older bikes <laughs> yeah that, the older bikes then, you, then you're parking two bikes on each side of that one and trying to warm it up with some exhaust pipe action right so as far as uh so what your photography um you know like the magazine thing are, are you do you just freelance or is there a couple of magazines that you kind of, I don't want to say exclusively shoot for, but the- no, I don't, I don't work for anybody. I'm completely like, I'm for all general purposes. I'm just, I'm a freelance photographer. And if, if, you know, somebody, I mean, somebody wants me to work for them, I guess I, I don't do I mean, to be completely honest, I don't do a whole lot of magazine work. You know, it's, it all kind of started for myself. And I, I guess like I, I, I wanted to maybe chase the whole magazine thing and and do that that side of things, but at one point I was like, hey, do I want to keep doing what I like doing? And I decided that I I wanted to do that. So I'm just I just kind of shoot for myself. And if you know, like if like if one of my friends they wanted to you know they want to do a photo shoot for their family, I'll I get on board for that. Like some occasional wedding work and. You know, shooting bikes and, and selling prints is primarily like I think prints is the biggest, the biggest fund funder for my equipment. You know, right. And then, have you ever been, you know, or been in art shows or thought about doing? I know that that's kind of becoming a thing that you're seeing more of now. Is that you know at some of these bigger, you know, like indoor events especially that they'll have like a little area set aside right. with like the the photographers and and do like kind of like a gallery type thing is that something that you've done or that you're interested in doing um fuel cleveland was the first like motorcycle event gallery um setting that i've done and i really enjoyed that i really like the idea of like obviously having larger prints to where people can get that that you know a, a bigger impact out of that than looking at their screen on their phone or or their computer screen or whatever so i mean like yeah i've, I've done that and i've done um i've done other smaller setups to where like you know like some local restaurants and i've had some of my landscape photography for sale inside the restaurant you know i've done that and but i mean it's, i haven't i haven't done any major art shows or anything like that right you know I guess my biggest, my most of my work is friends buying prints and putting up in the garage or in their, on their walls. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably <laughs> the coolest thing, to be honest. Like, you know, I'm always stoked when people ask me for prints, and usually, like, I, you know, when I've done it before, I probably shouldn't say it on air because I'll never make any money ever in my life. But I usually just do them at cost, you know, because I figure if they're in the photo, <laughs> you know, I've gotten what I've gotten out of that photo, but like. If they're right. in the photo and they want a copy of it, I, I, I personally, I'm like, dude, I can't really charge you for that. Like, that wouldn't even be a photo without you in it, you know? So I, yeah. I've done them at cost before, um, which is, I'm very, very bad at business, but I'm not a business-minded person, you know? I'm, <laughs> I do things because I like I mean, I do, them. like, don't get me wrong, I do, like, I'll, it's just, it depends. Like, some of my friends, I'll, I'll do the prints at cost, and, like, it just depends, like, what I'm, what I'm trying to do with it. Like, if I really legitimately need money to fund you know like camera equipment or like you know stuff like to put bread on you know put bacon on the table you know right. as they say like i have I, I think i i'm honest about it and, and i'm like i'm gonna sell some of my prints and this is to fund this you know and it kind of helps me justify it i'm not just like trying to you know dig in people's pockets oh, you no, know but sure. there's also like i'll i like doing like large prints and I'll do like a 24 by 36 printed on photo rack and that print alone is like uh, over a hundred dollar paper you know right. so by the time I do all the all the editing and exporting and dealing with them printing it and then framing it you know it's not cheap 
to do all that. No, for sure. You know? Yeah. So then you're like, well, what do I charge? You know, what's fair? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, like, like, again, I'm not business-minded for myself, but knowing what goes into it, you know, if, like, I saw, you know, a print that I liked, you know, that you were selling... Like, I wouldn't blink at, like, you know, $300 for a print that big framed. Like, in fact, I don't know what you'd sell them for, but 300 to me would be cheap, you know? Um, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. So... I mean, like, I, like it's, it's hard to... It's hard to price your, your work, but, you know, I think we... Someone have a responsibility of valuing our work so that it doesn't... So that everything isn't free, because, I mean, then we're, like, we need to value our skill just like anybody else does. Right. And to be honest, my big like the thing I love the most is trading talent for talent. And a lot of times I trade prints for, you know, like motorcycle parts and other people's art and we just trade. You know, my friend Kramer does that work that does artistic metal design. He he does all these big metal art, hand painted metal art signs. I'll trade him prints, he trades me, you know, a, a like a big uh, shovel head cut out you know and it's all painted and shit so like do that or like i just traded uh friend joey down in daytona i traded him that big large print that 24 by 36 for an eight over wide glide front end for my shovel head i mean that works for me hell yeah (laughs) honestly yeah if anybody has a eight over wide glide that they want to trade me for a print hit me up (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i I wouldn't even you know like you're supporting each other too it's like mutual support you know? Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I don't even need that. I'd, I'd be happy. You can give me your thirty-five millimeter with like, you know, one one side shaved off. I'll, I'll be good with that. <laughs> Hit me up. We'll talk. Yeah. I'm not saying it's happening like all the time, but I mean it, it is happening. So I'm like happy that no. there's at least that. You know? No, it is, and there's also you know just the satisfaction that that when you know your your friends and and people value your work, you know, kind of you know because it, it is a lot of work to do photography and. We all do it for ourselves, you know, but it's it's awesome right. and other people appreciate it. It makes you feel good and makes you want to do it more, which, you know, that's what it's about, you know. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm always super stoked when somebody, you know, buys a print and displays it and, you know, and they're stoked about it. And, you know, even those little moments where people are just happy to, to like, you know, like I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, they'll ride with me and they're like, we're going to get some killer, we'll get some killer pictures out of this. And I'm like... You know, I get kind of pumped on that too. Yeah. You know, the, it's it's really fun to document your friends just doing all these epic motorcycle adventures. You know. Right. So, so what is your technique for? And this is again my own selfish reasons here that I'm trying to glean some knowledge from somebody that does it well. Um, you know, but what is your technique when you ride and shoot? Because like I'm scared to death that I'm gonna crash my bike into somebody else and kill us both. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I've been riding for a long time. You know, I'm I'm comfortable riding when I'm looking at where I'm going. <laughs> you, know, but, you know, with the camera thing, it's kind of scary, man. So you know, you do it very well. What's do you have any uh, any advice for somebody um, that's trying to do that? Or yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it's you know one for one. Like I'm having a super comfortable bike to ride like one that you're you've known for a long time and i've kind of got that with my dyna i've ridden it for so long that it's set up for me to do what i kind of what i do um as far as that goes like there's i have a throttle lock on my throttle that's just kind of like this you know this bar that you tighten and it holds on the brake lever and it can hold speed like so i'll shoot i think a lot of time it's just balancing i'll shoot with Sometimes I'll grab the whole camera itself and, you know, it depends where I'm shooting. If I'm shooting to my forward or my right and they're riding up on me, I'll like kind of grab the whole camera and turn, you know, sometimes I'm just using one hand and gripping it to where my one finger is on the shutter and I just kind of like stick it out there. And I guess from kind of knowing where those angles are and visualizing those angles in your mind, you just kind of get used to like knowing where to put that particular, you know, where to put your camera at and, I don't know. I, I guess it just kind of developed. Like I was scared too when I first started carrying my camera on my bike, and like you know, your eyes go, your bike goes where your eyes go. So like sometimes you're, you really have to be mindful of, you know, you're controlling the bike, and you're going to quickly look and get what you need and go back to what you're doing. You know, right? And if the, that makes sense. No, it definitely makes sense to me, and hopefully, you know, other people that are out there uh, listening. Um, so with, with the uh, 
the group that you ride with, they know that you're taking pictures. Sorry, my dog is wanting me to throw things for her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she hears me talking and thinks that I'm talking to her. So yeah, if you hear the nails like clicking in my podcast, that's my dog that is really interested in what I'm doing if I'm doing something. <laughs> But, um, you know, like the people that you ride with, they know that you're shooting. So do they kind of just maintain course and speed? Because I've had a problem where, like, I get over in the other lane and I start speeding up and then people change lanes and get behind me. I'm like, no, stay where you're at. I'm trying to get your picture, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll even use, like, hand signal. Like, I'll, I'll kind of tell, like, make, like I'll, come, I'll go on oncoming traffic. Well, it sounds terrible talking about it that way, but you'll go out in the other lane and, they're dragging behind you so i'll kind of wave them up and right. you know, make them come a little closer to me and so they know that i'm taking a picture i don't know i guess a lot of it's just chemistry from riding together for, you know, after a while of riding with people you kind of get used to each other and yeah you know some of the some of the greatest shots i pulled riding is like we're laying down a lot of miles and and like we've been riding together for a long time and it's just kind of comfortable. We're really comfortable being that close to each other, you know. Right. Try, I think it's a trust thing too. I've, I feel like I've heard before that I'm, I'm kind of like smooth in, in my riding and shooting. I don't look like I'm going to kill myself or harm other people in the process. So, you know, I think it's that comfort level, just making sure that people, you know, people are kind of safe and you're doing this somewhat in a safe manner, even though you're not using your hands on your handlebar. But, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's still sketchy, but no, and I think that that definitely, like, that comfort level translates to the photos because, you know, people do, in your photos especially, you know, they look very relaxed and natural, and, it, you know, you can tell that they're probably used to you having a camera because they don't, like, you know, get that weird posed face expression that some people get when you put a camera on them, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it happens, don't get me wrong, it happens occasionally, right? but... But nonetheless, a lot of times it's like I'm kind of like, I kind of choose the time to do it and I kind of respect that I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable and I also want to capture them, you know, in that relaxed state kind of where they're, they're really enjoying what they're doing. It's kind of like, you know, you're really taking a picture of what a person it, it really looks like in that moment, you know. Right. So photographer-wise, um, what, what photographers have influenced you and, uh, you know, um, like, I guess, who, who are your photographic heroes, if that makes sense? Um, I mean, I spoke about him a little bit earlier. Uh, Clyde Butcher, as far as, like, landscape photography, is, like, one of my, like, as far as the foundation of my photography and landscape photography, Clyde's a, a pretty big one. Um, and then, you know, there's some, I guess, that's some new, like, who inspires me, like, recently, being you know, definitely is a pretty big, you know, I really enjoy looking at his images, you know, and, and kind of seeing how he does things and even watching him work at certain events, like at an event, it's pretty cool. Right. Um, and then there is, you know, like, I'm a fan of some, even the people that, you know, that, that I'm close with, you know, like, uh, and Liam's a good photographer and, and, uh, I'm like blanking all of a sudden on all the people I want to give shout outs to. <laughs> but right, Mikey Arnold is a really good photographer. I talked to him early on, like several years ago when I was kind of like, you know, had questions about what I was doing and, and what to pursue and, you know, how to go about it and seeing that he was successful and, and like he started out selling cell phones and then started working for Lowbrow and, and, you know, had his stuff kind of going on get a book and stuff like that, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, but there's a lot. I mean, my list <laughs> would just kind of go on. Well, I'm sorry. A lot, of, a lot of 70s Vogue photographers. <laughs> like, it just kind of goes on and on. Uh, what about uh, Pulsating Paula? I know she recently passed away also. I think she's from Florida or lived in Florida. Uh, are you familiar with her stuff at all? Uh, yeah. I mean... I wasn't, I wasn't like really, wasn't really close to her or anybody that, you know, I didn't, I didn't really run the same circle as she did, but I mean, there's definitely that, that mutual respect for her work. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, um, 
shit, I'm kind of, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know what else I got. You got anything? Upcoming <laughs> projects? Uh, yeah, I don't, I was like, you know, I was like, I don't know. Who else did, who else did I miss as far as like all my inspirational photographers? Yeah. Right. No, that's all right. I mean, you know, I, that's one of those questions I like to ask because, you know, like, um, sometimes, you know, the people that inspire us are so, their, their style is so different, you know, that I like to kind of point that out because, you know, like you get inspiration where you find it. So, you know, you're, you're yeah, I guess the landscape, you know, I, it's not like photography for me kind of came from, um, my dad was like, a, was big into slideshows, you know? So like I grew up with, with looking at a lot of slideshows and a lot of those images were like, you know, had that, I kind of even color grade my images to the, in that kind of flavor, you know, that were like, it's just the nostalgia of, of seeing those slideshows from being a kid. Right. And I was in love with his the pictures that he took with his camera, you know. And I think that just kind of that's where my love stems from. It wasn't necessarily that I like you know followed any kind of particular photographers. You know, now it's just I kind of hunt images and then I learn about who took them, and you know it's kind of a never ending. And it's kind of fun because you'll find people that and you're like, oh, I really like this guy's style, and you start digging it digging through other stuff that they do and kind of following that trail, you know. But anyways, yeah, I, just, I guess my biggest inspiration was, was those slideshows and having, you know, just being really into seeing all those memories. And and he had a Conoquato re- reflex with that 57-millimeter lens and just, like, took really great images, you know. Right. So, I'm hopefully uh, you, you'll listen to the the podcast I did with Liam because uh, there's a little Easter egg in there for you that I think you might get a kick out of in regards to Conoco. Oh really? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a topic. Yeah, um, and I, I you know it's funny because I had just recorded a podcast. Today's Thursday, real time, you know, and I had just done one on Tuesday, and it's both with photographers, and we all know the same people. So I'm trying not to you know, ask the same questions and have the same, you know, and of course it's, it's not, but, you know, so I don't want to tell the story again, but the Konica thing came up and if you didn't listen to the last one, you know, that's what I'm referencing. So when these come out, you know, you'll, if you heard it before, this is going to be funny. And if not, then go and listen to the other one. You know? But yeah, I'm curious now. I have a personal history with Konica. All week. <laughs> no, I'll tell you <laughs> offline, but I don't want to bore the listeners with it, but it is funny though. Cause, uh, yeah, just like I said, it it all play out. We'll leave some mystery out there for people. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, so so upcoming projects. Do you have anything? Uh, you know, I know some people now with self publishing. You know, doing your own book, uh, maybe zines, collaborations. Anything that you're working on or that you look forward to working on? Um, yeah, I mean, like there's all I've had. Like, I guess for the longest time, I've talked about doing. You know, doing some a small a smaller book. I don't know if I'll do a hardcover or anything like that, but you know, there's there's I want to there's like I got a calendar on the brain. I've got doing a small you know a small kind of zine or something like that. I've also kind of wanted to take on you know, doing more framing more prints and trying to find a unique unique way to do it. You know, to display the prints right. like in some other way. But yeah, those that's those are my three things on the brain and a lot of a lot of the Florida dudes have been kind of like asking me if I ever thought about doing a calendar so I kind of feel like I have to do one you know yeah I need a calendar I'd buy one <laughs> yeah so I guess I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a calendar that's gonna be something I'm gonna do all right well, near future yeah hopefully it's very near because New Year's like sneaking up on us <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not maybe I'll have, maybe I'll have an entire year to bring that part out yeah, well, you know, even if you did one now, though, you know, like, I mean, I don't really look at, I don't even care what the calendar says until March anyway, because it's too cold to do yeah. anything, so. You know. Yeah, it's just somebody's got to throw in their, throw in their garage or their shop, and it's just going to be there. Right. It might get flipped, you know, six months, you know. Maybe. So, <laughs> maybe, know, I, who knows. I, I still got a show class calendar hanging up that's, like, two years old. It's still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can just leave it on your favorite your favorite one. Yeah, it's like, and I think it's, like, an August one or something. It's definitely not, wasn't even current when it went out of date, you know. <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, but things like yeah. that are awesome, you know, and I think that that's one of those things that, with photography especially, that, you know, there's there's something to being able to hold something tangible in your hand, or in the case of a slide, like, see it really big. One of my favorite things um, that I was able to do was set up a digital projector, um, and we are having a party, and, you know, I just had a slideshow, and I let it play on loop, on repeat, you know, it was about 250 images, mostly of my friends, and... You know, we had this big party, and there's a bunch of people from, from different states, and we're all together, and it just kind of continuously played, you know? It was just in the background, and people that wanted to watch it could watch it, and it wasn't like the family slideshow where everybody's got to sit on the couch, and, and mom makes popcorn, and, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> grandpa bores us with his pictures of Yosemite, you know, but... <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think doing things no, like that, that like, was, I mean, that's, that's, that's great. That's what it's all about. That sounds like a great way to, you know... I mean... Uh, I just, I want to, it's basically all I'm doing is like, I'm going around taking pictures of my friends. I mean, like, you know, it's really, it's, it's for them and then whoever wants to enjoy that. And, right. you know. and you know, I had an interesting conversation with Otter about that, that like the pictures that we're taking now, you know, they're, they're for us and our friends, but really, you know, they're going to become, they don't become important really for another 30 years. You know, and then once that time has come by and the next generation looks back at what we were doing, you know, that's when that documentating or is that even a word? But documentation of, <laughs> of you know, the time is so important because, you know, if it wasn't people like you and Liam and Dean, you know, and, and Dean's pictures are really going to fuck people up because they're not going to know when they were taken, you know. Because they're just timeless, but... Yeah, they're timeless. Right, yeah. like, you know, like his, yeah. his pictures of the drag strip. Like, if you didn't tell me that, you know, obviously I'm familiar with his work, but if I showed it to somebody that didn't know Dean's work, there's no way they would know that that was taken in 2018, you know? They look like they're straight 1957, you know, because of the cars and the film and everything. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of that posterity thing that's so important. And that's kind of one of the things that... I think printing is important because, like, I have old photos that I've lost that were digital because I don't have the laptop anymore or, you know, like, I don't have any way to read a zip disk because I still have photos on zip disks, you know? <laughs> and if, if you're, like, 20, you probably don't know what a zip disk is even, you know? So printing things yeah, out. Yeah, well, now there's, there's definitely a, there's a, there's a disconnect there where, like, you know, Dean's going to have all the, Dean's got all these images that are, are, are going to already print it and like, you know, like you said, tangible. Right. You've got all these hard drives that are just stuffed full of images. And I think that's one thing why I like, I want to try to print as many as I can, like, you know, so that, so that they're not just getting lost in archives, you know? Right. You know, and, and the reality of it is too, like we all ride motorcycles and motorcycles are dangerous. So if everything's on a hard drive and, you know, the people in your life don't know what that is or how to recover it or that it's even important, you know, and something happens to us out on the road, like it could just get lost, you know? Whereas like, yeah. obviously when you have prints or you have, you know, like, you know, and even with negatives, I mean, not much better, you know, like that's why I think having those prints, man, like that to me is huge. Like people should print their work, even if they're just like little shitty four by sixes when like, one of the digital printers has a sale for, for one cent prints, you know, and, and stuff those shoe boxes full of those prints because one day that may be all that's left, you know? Right. And that's, I think that's the, the, the piece that people are missing nowadays. It's like, you know, you not realize, like you said, it's 30 years from now, this is looking back on this time. Like we're living this, this second wave of, of, of the chopper, you know, life for kind of like, I don't know how to really put that into words, but it's kind of the second the second wave of, of people, you know, enjoying choppers again, you know, living that that life from the late 60s and mid 70s, you know, it's like this is it's going to be appreciated 30 years from now, and I think people are just kind of missing that that piece, you know. It's just kind of it's like we're so used to living in the now, we're just kind of, you know, the instant gratification of, as they say or whatever. It's just kind of kind of ruining that a little bit right you know yeah and it's, so it's I think that's like when you think about big picture like well that's really what I'd like to preserve it's like I, I know that I'm collecting these things you know as memories you know for it's going to be really awesome 30 years from now when I'm like showing people these pictures definitely you know? yeah I mean that's you know 
that's one of those things that I wish that I had done earlier, um, you know, because, like, I really didn't. I was, you know, younger and more involved in the moment, and even though I did photography, I didn't do it, I didn't really mix my, my lifestyle with my photography, you know. Photography is something I did to kind of relax and, and you know, it's kind of cathartic, and I would just go out and go out to the desert and take pictures of things out in the desert, you know, and, and then I would hang out with my friends and we'd ride motorcycles, I wouldn't even bring a camera with me. Yeah, I definitely regret that, and, you know, but back then, there wasn't really a way to share it, you know, like, I, all my pictures were just, you know, even if I had made prints, they just sat in a folder, and, and so that is the cool thing about social media as well, is that people, you know, get to see your work, and that kind of connects people, um, you know, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't want people to lose sight of, you know, that tangible thing. That yeah, no, definitely, I'm, I'm definitely, like, appreciative of the, of the, social media side of things where like we're connecting with people and there's some place there's a platform to display your your work to a certain degree and that's you know i've met so many people through it but yeah like you said you don't want them to lose track of like that's why it's good that people should be supporting and, and buying prints from all these cool photographers that that shoot this lifestyle because i mean you're you're pres you're preserving it you're playing your part too so in that sense you know yeah. And I, you know, I know I try to support my friends, um, you know, and, and sometimes that's, you know, I've made new friends by that because, you know, I'll see somebody that I've never talked to before selling prints. And, you know, if I like their work, I buy their prints. And sometimes that starts that, you know, dialogue and band yeah, becoming friends, sure. which is killer, you know? Yeah. And it's like no hard feelings too. If, if, if people don't have the money or it's just like, you know, it's, it's not a huge deal. It's not like we're, you know, at least for me, it's not like we're, I'm, out, I'm out here trying to get people to like spend their money on my prints. But I mean, it's cool. It's it's cool when they do. You right. know, and it's, you know, it works out for both parties involved. You know, definitely, man. Well, yeah. Well, um, any other last shout-outs or anything else you want to put out there? Um, <laughs> shout-outs. Yeah, <laughs> I've got time. Go for no, it. No, I mean, I, I see. I'm super grateful for every everybody that that supported my work for all these years, and you know, including you. And you know, it's it's I'm happy to be part of this community, and that's a good thing that we got going on. And hopefully, we can preserve that, preserve that, and keep it positive, and you know, keep riding choppers with friends. Fuck yeah! <laughs> right on, man. Well, again, I appreciate your time and. Uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you offline after we uh, hang up here. Sure, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man.